Welcome to this week's episode of Relevant Conversations for All. This is episode 43 of season two. Today's episode is entitled, How Do We Achieve Social Justice? At the end of our podcast last week, we discussed um, the follow-up for the Aubrey case. And as everyone probably knows by now, um, all three perps murderers uh, will be convicted and charged with murder. Um, We were talking about things offline and we decided, hey, you know what, let's stop talking offline and, and start recording and share this conversation with everyone that listens. And this is the basic premise of our relevant conversations. So let's pick off and kind of revisit some of the things we discussed. Um, One of our concerns is that we we don't see an equal distribution of justice. And we've talked about this on numerous occasions on our podcast. There is um, a variance in terms of who is committing the crime. Um, This is why cases such as this past Aubrey case is such um, an intense type of situation for many people, because we know that the system does not always um, have or allow justice to prevail. But this time it did. Um, You know, it's, it's, so few and far in between, it seems that it still becomes a stressful situation for those who do believe in humanity and and want the promotion of social justice, especially when we have witnessed the situation just as we did in this particular case. Um, It's always a struggle. Do you agree? Absolutely. And I think... Like, for instance, anyone who knows me or gets to know gets to know me within a short period of time, they find out that I'm a big sports fan. Mm -hmm. I love close games and the excitement that comes with wondering who's going to win or lose. I'm not like that when it comes to justice. When it is clear cut. Like a lot of these cases have been, um, have video evidence that are, that's presented and, and things of that type. When it is clear cut, let's not uh, waste time, money, and everything and, and, you know, draw things out and make it a nail biter. When it is clear cut, it should be evenly distributed justice, no matter what your religion, what your race, you know, uh, what tone, skin tone you are, what, right. whatever. It should be evenly distributed. And that's the thing that makes, gives me, even though I'm so happy that the right decision, the jury came to the right verdict in this case, mm-hmm. there it shouldn't have been that we're wondering about, you know, what justice is going to be distributed. Like within the Rittenhouse case, you know, um, it was, uh, in my opinion, I can only express my opinion, a bad decision 
that was made or a bad verdict that was, you know, arrived at by the jury um, based on the loss of life and weapons and all of that type of stuff. Um, And then, you know, it never should have even been a question if we go back to last year for Chauvin and, and that conviction, you know, right up until the moment that, the guilty verdict came back on the charges, people were still wondering and guessing at whether that murderer would be convicted. That shouldn't never, that's, that shouldn't be the case. And that just speaks back to what we've been talking about over the past, you know, like all of our episodes basically, but the last couple of weeks with regard to this machine that has been built in order to perpetuate this uneven handed justice system that we have today. Right. You know, and, and I agree with that. And we were also talking about um, the possibility of something like, I wonder if it would be or how it would be if nothing regarding the suspects in any given case such as this were released to the public and only the facts were presented to the jurors, um, they wouldn't see or they wouldn't see how the person looked, especially their race. They would not see uh, or know anything about their social economic background or anything revealing that might sway their thought process beyond the facts. Uh-huh. Wonder how a system would flow. In other words, you know, the show the voice and how the contestants perform, but the judges cannot see them. They only listen to their voices and they base their judgment solely on what is presented to them. I wonder if how our system would work if the same thing was applied in criminal cases where the jurors did not see anything or even the general public, they didn't see anything or know anything regarding the suspect other than the facts that are presented. So you wouldn't know race, nothing of that nature. So no biases be introduced into that situation. I mean, that would be fair. Like Lady Justice is wearing a blindfold, right? So mm-hmm. with with one eye peeked now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that would be fair. Let's pull that other that other side up and <laughs> and you know distribute justice, maybe not the way that the founding fathers intended, mm-hmm. but justly equally Um, and and that would be the only way that I could see that it would be equally distributed because is people are people and people have their prejudices and and even without certain things being said in the courtroom they come into uh into court with their own perceptions and life experiences and expectations. Absolutely. So it they don't have they don't have to lead the jury. The 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 attorneys who are working, they don't have to lead the jury in order for justice not to be equal. 
it's already, the machine has already been built and is well greased and is working. So I think the only way that uh, your, your, uh, your suggestion would be the only way that we would achieve equal justice in this country. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, we just, just looking back across time, across centuries of time, and just the number of people who have gone to jail unjustly simply because of the race in particular, the way that they look. You know, right. I'm trying to move away from that term race because it is a theory and we use it as though it is fact. Mm -hmm. um, shade might be a, a better way to describe right. it. But it's, it's just, we talked about this on a, a podcast that we recorded way back where we said when a crime is committed and it comes across the news, we always see the face or the sketch, or get a full description of someone of color. Mm -hmm. When the perpetrator, the suspect, the murderer, whomever is of a different persuasion, that being Caucasian, there's no picture presented. Right. And very little facts mm -hmm. are presented to the general public. It's just a quick flash, you know, and here we go. And, and people who are aware of this can tell whether that suspect was a person of color or if they were Caucasian right away. Right. Um, something else that we saw in um, the Rittenhouse case was that excuses were being made for the suspect long before the trial occurred. So people had right. plenty of time to develop biases. People right. had plenty of time to um, determine their thoughts as to how mm -hmm. the outcome of the trial should occur. Um, right. It's it's just I don't know. I I think this faulty system that we have. Well, on the surface it looks faulty. Right. But as we revealed last week and and time and time again, it's not truly faulty. It is operating exactly That's as we anticipated to work. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, what if the jurors were, were totally blinded in that sense? Yeah. And they were contained in this little box where all they saw were the facts. And right. they had the opportunity to apply um, humanity to their decisions rather than their biases. We have to, we would have to, um, I think, like we said offline, address it with the media. The media wouldn't be able to say anything because truly, you know, what's confusing to me is that, especially in the high profile cases, is that there's so much media coverage mm -hmm. with regard to these cases that it's impossible to locally choose an impartial jury. Um, and it, with, cause the coverage is there, 
you in a Rittenhouse case, like you said, from the beginning, the excuses were being made about, you know, first of all, there was a riot going on. I don't know who deputized this this young man and told him that he should come, called him right. and said, you know, hey, pick up an AR-15 right. and, and come, right. <laughs> you know. We need you. Exactly. Yeah. And um, I don't and the excuses were immediately made that he was being attacked and all of these things were happening. And, and that's why, and then it just, when he went into court and with his baby face, you know, make sure he's clean shaven. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, he starts crying and sobbing on the stand and he was scared, you know, we're not going to retry the case, but the whole thing is it's, um and to and it's like the wording that the the press uses in, in certain instances and then we have this um uh, the person who rode through the parade last week yes. and i agree that it it's cut and dried you see it you you see what happened right um and in this case I think we were talking about offline to your point, justice will be swift in this case. This, yeah. this, there's not going to be a lot of pomp and circumstance here. No, it's going to take, he rode through the crowd and that's, that's it and that's all. Right. And the, the language that's being used in this case is monstrous. And, you know, we don't know all of the facts. I have yet to hear anybody give any explanation not that there is one you know not that there's a good one I don't think that there wasn't a Rittenhouse case but that is correct you know we I have yet to hear anything being said with regard to uh reasons that have been surmised by the police when they've interviewed this individual as to what happened and why and and that's much different to your point in many different cases, even with Aubrey, you know, immediately it came out, he was running around uh, the neighborhood, there had been break-ins and, and, you know, they tried to play that card. Right. Okay, not, strange, not only man taking a job through the neighborhood, but strange black man taking a job through the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, suspicions went up and they followed him. And then, you know, when they tried to make a citizen's arrest, he resisted because, you know, he's like, I'm taking a job. You're not arresting me. Right. And, you know, what ensued ensued, um, which was murder. But <laughs> yeah. To yeah. that to that point, you know, those excuses immediately start to go out. And right now, uh, in the case of the man who was driving a truck through the parade, um, we know by now that it's an African-American um, man. Yes. There's been no reasons given yeah. and nothing could take away what was done. Right. But nothing can bring back these other people that were killed in other cases as well. We just, it would be interesting to know the reason why. Absolutely. In this case. Absolutely. Um, you know, either way, regardless of the shade of the, the perpetrator um, or 
the unfortunate souls that perish as a result of that perpetrator. Mm-hmm. The human aspect should be first right. and foremost. And that is a dwindling factor in what we have seen and, and what we continue to see. Um, it's almost as though uh, the other lives don't matter. And that was the the sadness that I felt with both of these cases in the Rittenhouse case with um, the two who were killed. It doesn't matter uh, if they've made some poor choices in their lives. It doesn't matter what their socioeconomic background was. You know, the fact remained is that two lives were taken needlessly. The same with the Aubrey case. A life was taken needlessly. And that is the part that needs to be first and foremost in the only aspect presented to the jurors aside of the facts of the case. They don't need to see. All they need to do is hear, you know? And when I say see, I'm not talking about, you know, the the diagrams and all of the, the visuals that are presented through the case. I'm saying they don't need to see who did it. They just need to know that these lives were taken and it could be mother, father, sister, brother, someone you know. A human life is needlessly taken. They don't need to know what that suspect looks like. Just talk about the facts and let them make a decision on a human level. And, you know, it it may sound very far-fetched, but as we were saying, I, I really don't see what other way could make this fair when there are so many biases that exist in this world. You can't find a juror who won't have any bias. And it, it, it's not even fair to have the attorneys hand select who should sit in that box to judge. If we take it from a humanity aspect then, or a human aspect, that should not have to be done at all. Can you hear me? Yeah, so to your point, uh, with regard to fair and impartial juries, I totally agree. Um, There's no way that with people coming in with their own perceptions and experiences that you're going to have even one impartial person, much less 12 impartial people. So, um, but in order to make this idea work, we, again, it would have to filter through the media, through, um, we wouldn't be able to give even locations of where things happened. Yeah. Because there would be the assumption there that, you know, based on where it happened, a certain race was involved. So we would um, have to uh, just totally black out everything, which I'm not saying that it's impossible to do would just take time and commitment to do it in order to make this justice system finally fair. 
Uh, and I don't think that the intent or commitment would be there from the powers that be today in order to get this done. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, if it could be the, the perfect cooperation of government and media without the uh, subduing freedom of speech and freedom of the press, it would be a perfect marriage. Uh, mm -hmm. But yes, it would be a daunting task. It would be a very involved task. But then, you know, we think about some of the things that are done seemingly instantaneously, um, such as the removal of, of protection, the removal of laws that protect groups of people in various communities, how it takes years to build those things. And at the stroke of a pen, it's removed and done away with. Right. If we can have the positive happening at the same rate, that would be an amazing yeah. thing in this country. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with it. Um, but the, <laughs> the reasons that they do certain things is that it actually supports the machine oh, that absolutely. they built and continue to build, but uh, anything that doesn't support that machine, you know, you try to uh, put a cog in the machine, they're like, nope, yeah. that's, mm -mm, that yeah. doesn't work. And and I, I think that your point about freedom of press will be one of the main reasons to be like, well, what about, you know, making everything transparent and freedom of press? You're saying that they can't report on where it happened, who did it, and all of that type of yeah. They... Well, well, it would it would be um, specifically worded such that you know we have freedom of speech, but we cannot go into a public place and yell fire. Right. You know, so circumstances such as that, um, you know, if there is a potential for something to interfere with the outcome of a case, mm -hmm. there is a potential of. Um, the absence of the achievement of social justice, then it has oh. to be curtailed. You know, so yeah. the, I mean, you know, it would, it would take some fine tuning, of course, and in my mm -hmm. perfect semi-fair world, <laughs> it would <laughs> offer um, a better solution in some instances, you know, and just sitting here and speaking off the top of my head, you know, I have not gone through every aspect of what that would yeah. involve, but, um, if we as people put humans first, mm -hmm. then across the board, I would like to think that we would see a diminishing of the things that we are seeing now, even yeah. um, the cog that breaks the machine. If the mm -hmm. majority of people resort to their humanistic side rather yeah. than the bias side that may lead them down a path of hatred and destruction. Mm -hmm. And you, you know, and I'm totally in agreement. If I had the power to wave the magic wand, I'd be like, yeah, make this so. Um, is it definitely, I understand and agree with the, with the idea of it. Um, I just, with the people, a whole other episode has to talk about why most of our Congress is like 70 plus years old. With oh, well, the, there's a reason for that. There is absolutely a reason for that. With, <laughs> with the people who are currently in power, uh, we just have to look at 
how does this get done? How do we remove the people who are not willing to get with today's program? Because to your point, uh, many times when we've talked offline and on, you know, they, there are likely more good people in the world than bad. Yes. Um, however, uh, when it comes down to uh, people in power, you know, it seems the opposite is true. Yeah, unfortunately. Uh, and we we have to get past that because we've entrusted um, what's good for this nation to people, a lot of people who don't have the nation's uh, ideals and uh the best for the nation at heart. And I'm saying the nation as a whole, not the nation as it was meant to be back in the 1700s, you know? Yeah. Um, so it, until we get past that point and uh, these people are never going to get with the program, they're with the program that they plan to get with. But until we expel the people who do not mean this nation to be one nation or one nation working together, all people, until those people are out of power, uh, they would block such an idea because that works against the machine. And it's, it's totally logical and makes sense when we talk about equality and making sure that justice is even-handed. But, you know, the people who would make the laws in order to make this so, when we talk about government working with media and then media being controlled by government, mm -hmm. you know, in the short term, I would say, you know, like have somebody like, uh, Corey Bush or AOC introduce Operation Blind Justice um, yeah. <laughs> as a bill and have it sit there until we change this Congress over and have them vote on it and pass it. Well, maybe so. I mean, you know, isn't it even, is it even necessary to have the division that we call political parties? I mean, can we just be one party called the human party? you know, working for humanity. Why, why, yeah. why is there even Democrats and Republicans? Aren't we working towards the same goal? Why shouldn't I it think, be the, the human party? I think <laughs> in uh, episodes like two or three of this podcast, I mean, I, I express the same opinion, like um, nonpartisanship is the way to go. Like, unless you want to belong to a gang, or, 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 you know, you're playing on a sports team and you play for one side or the other, there has to be something where I, I don't want to look at someone as a Democrat or Republican. Like, what, what are your views? What do you plan to do for this country? Tell me that. Don't say I'm a Republican, so vote for me, or I'm a Democrat, so vote for me. I want to know what are your plans and how do you plan to execute them? You know, I, these platforms that people stand on with no bottom underneath, no foundation, no way to get anything passed. It's just like, oh, it would be a nice to have. Okay. Um, 
Right. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, playing on that team aspect that you just gave a, a very good example of. I mean, there's no I in team, nor is there an I in Congress or in the Senate or in the House. Right. right? right. So why are we not working mm-hmm. as a unified government? But we know why. But right. I still want to know why. <laughs> why? <laughs> Knowing that there are so many more people who are good than right. bad. If we break it down to good and bad or good and evil, why right. are we still operating under the premise of so much division? You know, but, and mm-hmm. I, I don't know, like, is that the question or is it why aren't we demanding that we do so? Well, clearly yeah. we can demand what we want, but if the yeah. problems that be... We 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 give them those powers though. Like the people vote these people into office. They hold they have offices in our cities and neighborhoods throughout the country. If we as a country are more good than evil, then the good should be like blowing up phones going to their offices and demanding hey this is what we want because that's the thing that makes them take interest because if they eventually if they don't do what the people want their people their constituents then they get voted out yes and i agree with that in part but then we have this um darkness coming into the light of the manipulation of votes. So um, that is being threatened. You know, what, what little control we do have is being threatened. And also we have the factor that not everyone comes out to vote. You know, when we have seen the power of what happens when the majority of people come out and vote, we saw what happened in Georgia, for example, right. how that state went from Republican to Democrat, you know, um, we've seen many situations like that. So it is a, a collective effort of people coming out and making a difference in that way. It's also a collective effort of not allowing our basic rights, such as the right to vote, to be taken away or hindered so that it makes it more difficult for us to do so. But um, we are at the end of our podcast. Time goes quickly when we get in deep. (laughs) As always, um, if you like what you're hearing, please do share our podcast. We'd be happy to take questions. If you have questions, hit us up on Instagram or through Anchor or Spotify but you can hear the podcast on both platforms. So thank you again. Stay safe. And there's Nova letting us know that it's time to go. (laughs) Be well.